My name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege each week to welcome you to the Speaking For Him podcast. Thank you for joining us as we seek to encourage one another on this journey that we call the Christian life. Today on the show, I will be reviewing the new Daily Wire documentary, What is a Woman? And I think there's some important things that we need to consider in this film, especially as we try to engage our culture on these important issues related to sex and gender. This is not a episode for younger listeners, so I'll just throw that out there at the beginning, but I think it will be beneficial to us as we dig in, and I look forward to doing that in the next several minutes, but first, let's talk about what is going on. Well, we are all waiting with bated breath to see what the final decision of the Supreme Court will be on the issue of Roe versus Wade. There has been some hints in the last month or two that it will be overturned by at least a 5-4 decision. Uh, there was a brief that was released early and illegally, and it has caused a firestorm in our country. Hey, Fox News alert. Our nation's capital bracing for potential violence as activists plan to blockade the streets outside the Supreme Court ahead of a possible decision on abortion today. Yeah, the group shut down D.C. saying of the justices, quote, these unelected extremists are trying to steal our rights and roll us backward on issue after issue. They are illegitimate and the people say no. David Webb is a Fox News contributor and host of Reality Check with David Webb on Fox Nation. David, things could get ugly today. What do you how do you see these pro? Protests and what do you think is going to happen? Well, for, by the way, can I just ask a question first? Have they found the leaker yet? Because we've heard nothing on that from yeah. a small group of people in an investigation. No matter what they do, Biden's Department of Justice is not going to do anything about these protesters who may turn into rioters. We don't know. We'll see their jail support forms are up there on their website. And I'm sure they've cleverly filled out everything, those that plan to show up ahead of time. But they're not going to change whatever the opinion of the justices are. They've already leaked a draft opinion. We still don't know the final opinion. We'll know that when the court tells us that's important to this two questions on the table. So they will go out there, they will protest, they will violate federal law in this case because they're attempting to interfere with or influence a judge. But again, nothing will be done about it. One, And then add to that an attempted or planned assassination of Justice Kavanaugh. America, this is what you're facing with the Democrats and their far-left allies when they are fine with not saying anything publicly. The president hasn't said anything. He'll show up where it suits him politically, but he won't defend the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, as we discuss this, I want to bring up something that I brought up several times in the past year and a half or so, or a little bit longer in the course of this pandemic, and that is when you give the government power, you think it's a good thing when it's something that you want. Like the people that were scared of COVID and just wanted to lock away from in their houses and thought that everybody else should do the same, 
They were excited when the government put forth measures and said to the American people, you stay in your house, you stop going to work, we're going to give you money, and that's kind of the mentality they had. But what I said at that time, and what I will continue to say, is that this only works for as long as you agree with your government. The minute you disagree with your government, you will say they shouldn't have this kind of power. And that's exactly what's happening with the Supreme Court right now. We have come to a place in our American culture where we have decided that courts have the ability to make laws. This is something that people don't understand about this whole situation, is that the very reason we are here today is because we decided that the court actually had the power to override several state laws that were based on the Constitution to allow the people to decide the abortion restrictions they wanted in each state. And then the Supreme Court came in and said, none of those laws matter. We're just going to say that every state has to allow abortion. And so we're in a situation now where these liberals aren't getting what they want, and so now they're saying that the Supreme Court is illegitimate. Was it illegitimate when it said that you could get legal abortion in all 50 states? No. Was it illegitimate when they said that marriage needed to extend to same-sex couples? No. But it's illegitimate when they do something that you don't like. One of the crazy things about the abortion issue particularly as a, as pertains to legally, is that, first of all, many people realize that it's not good law, which is why Biden campaigned partially on the fact that he was going to attempt to codify it into law. And so as I'm sitting there watching that campaign unfold, I'm thinking, well, why does he have to codify it into law if, in fact, it is good law? The reason to codify it is because it's not. So you have a situation where people say that you're undermining the Constitution if the court makes a decision to affect women's health, but they weren't undermining the Constitution 49 years ago when they said that women's health included the right to kill their unborn babies, roughly half of whom are women. This is the world in which we live. And this is why we need to have a standard of moral absolutes. It's not enough to say, well, I would never do this. You have to say, this is a morally reprehensive act, so no one should do it. If everybody said, I'm not going to have slaves, but anybody else that wants them can have them, then slavery would not have been abolished. Slavery was abolished because people stood up and said, this is unacceptable, we will not stand for it, and they fought until it was resolved. And so that's how work gets done. And for people that say the court doesn't have the right to make this decision, keep in mind that the court is just responding to a decision that the court made. They're not striking down a law that was legislated and said that abortion is legal. 
They are striking down a court decision as the court themselves and saying this is not good legal precedent. So I don't even know what the end result will be, but if indeed that is the end result, that is something to keep in mind. And you heard in that piece that it's a violation of federal law to protest and threaten uh, a Supreme Court justice or to protest outside of federal buildings uh, in the manner in which uh, they were doing. That's not going to stop these people um, because they only care about laws that they approve of. And this goes back to where I started this segment, which is, you approve of people or lawmaking entities if they agree with you. If they don't, you stop approving. And so I think it's very important as we look at the law as a whole that we have a, have a standard for both sides of the law. You know, I remember throughout uh, the last presidency, People would often say, well, Donald Trump should do this or Donald Trump should do that because he's the president. But he still had checks and balances stopping him from doing all the things that he wanted to do. And I wouldn't have wanted him to have unmitigated power. I don't want even my favorite conservative politicians to be able to be in office for 50 or 60 years. That's not the way to run our government. The idea behind being an elected official is to be a public servant. And if you're a public servant, you should not uh, be in office for decade upon decade. Because not only should it be a temporary thing so that you go back to being a citizen, but you totally, I think, can get to a point where you forget what being a citizen is if you've been in public life that long. And also, as I've often said, if we had term limits on the federal level then every single time we had an election, we would have to look at who's on the ballot and pull the lever for the best person. Whereas now, if I'm not personally affected, it can be easy easy for me to simply reelect the person who is already in office because my personal life is going fine, regardless of what they're actually accomplishing and what their heart is for the American people. So I think that a a fixed standard for both sides is important. I remember reading about, I wasn't old enough to care at that point, but I remember reading about Ronald Reagan wanting a third term in office. I think Ronald Reagan was one of the better presidents we ever had, but I wouldn't have wanted him to have a third term in office because, again, I don't want anybody... Uh, to dominate what's going on in the government. The way that this government works is if it's for the people, of the people, and by the people, and if new people are constantly being added. So I think term limits are important across the board. I think that when we are delegating power to an entity, whether it be the Supreme Court, whether it be the president, whether it be a government agency, we need to realize that we may like what they're doing if they're doing what we want, but if they choose to do something different than what we want, then that poses a problem to us. So as we're thinking about let's rely on the government for 
all of our needs, then that's where the problem comes in. If nothing else, this tough time, which we find ourselves in economically, hopefully will drive people to help one another individually and as churches and as Christian nonprofits so that they will realize that it's not the government's job to solve all of our problems. All right, well, that was a little bit heavy, and I know that sometimes that can get to be a bit much, so I try to bring some light, encouraging stuff along the way as well. And this past week, I heard a really cool story about two individuals with Down syndrome who are changing the world. Chris Gonzalez and Sofia Hirao both have far exceeded expectations, and they want others to know they can do the same, regardless of their circumstances. Our lead national correspondent, David Begno, traveled to Puerto Rico to meet the couple and see how they've dealt with major challenges. David, good morning. David, good morning to you. This is a celebration of two people who were born with special needs and are doing extraordinary things, dreaming, defying doubts. They have become the joy of their island. And I'm telling you, by the end of this story, you will be standing up cheering them on like we are. Watch. And with that, our conversation began with Sofia Hirao and Chris Gonzalez. To meet them, we flew to the Isla del Encanto, the island of enchantment, Puerto Rico. You could say that they are redefining the meaning of the term power couple. Thank you, sister. They were both born with Down syndrome. Thank you for my And are now promoting a campaign called Sin Limitus, Without Limits. And let me tell you, they are inspiring the entire island. My baby. Chris, who is this? I'm my girlfriend, Sophia. Sophia. And who is this? It's my boyfriend, Chris. <laughs> I love driving. According to Chris's parents, in 2014, he became the first person with Down syndrome on the island of Puerto Rico to get a driver's license. The 25-year-old also loves to cook, and today he runs his own food truck. Gonzalez's dad, Eugene, told us he is in awe of his son's drive to succeed. Yeah, baby. I know you're proud of him. Oh, definitely. He's... He's so um, persistent. He makes us be a better person. Maybe he'll, a couple of times he will fail, but he knows that he has to try and try again. I guess that's what we've learned from him. That's a big lesson in life. That's a good lesson for all of us. Oh, definitely. Chris, how does it feel to hear your dad talking so positively about you? I'm so happy. (laughs) He's so proud of you. I'm trying to hold back the tears here. <laughs> Tell me what's going through your head. Oh. A lot. It's hard to explain. Thank you. Seeing him with everything that he's accomplished has been hard for him. But he's doing it. He's not only a trained chef, he's a barista too. In fact, he's added retail entrepreneur to his resume with his own brand of coffee. I have brand of my what, coffee. What do you have? That's your coffee. This is for me? Yes. Well, thank and, you, Chris. And my girlfriend. 
And look what it says. Chris seen limitus. Chris without limits. Chris without limits. And the story goes on for a little bit longer, so I'll encourage you to go to the Speaking For Him blog at speakingforhim.blogspot.com and uh, watch the rest of this video. But it goes on to talk about how um, the young lady profiled is a model and is putting together a fashion line with the help of her parents. And I really resonated with this story because I have always tried to have that attitude in life, living without limits. And a lot of that comes from my parents. My parents never let me say, uh, I can't, especially my dad. When I would say that I didn't think I could do something or I said I can't, he said, you can. And he believed in me and he pushed me to succeed. Um, he's the reason that I have a bachelor's degree today. He's the reason that I have this ministry in a lot of ways because he's the one when I was getting done with college and was talking about, I just want to find a full-time job and save up money for a house and get married and have a family. Um, I still, you know, I still want to have that house and that marriage and that family. But he was the one that said, you know, I think that God has a place for you in ministry and you need to surrender to that. And it took me a while uh, to get to that point. It was about three years after I graduated from college when I finally launched Speaking for Him. And it was about three years after that that the Speaking for Him podcast came to be. And so I've, it's just been exciting to see how God has blessed and now to be able to do the podcast here at home and to have even more control over it is a real blessing. And I'm so thankful for my parents who instilled this drive to never say never and to keep on going. And the most important thing to me is to invest in relationships. You know, Jesus was a, was a person who invested in individual relationships and cared about the people around him. And, and that really is my goal. And, you know, I talk about my disability a lot here on the show, uh, because it's a big part of who I am. And I think one of the interesting things about this story in light of where we are as a culture is, you know, I forget what, which country it was. I know it was a European country who recently said, we don't have any uh, Down syndrome in our country. And at first blush, you're like, did they did they figure out some medical cause for Down syndrome and are they working to eradicate that medical cause? But when you look closer, you realize uh, that it's because they abort Down syndrome babies. They don't want them to live. And I felt kind of, heartened that a a secular news outlet like CBS was taking the time to profile these young people and say they may have down syndrome but they are still succeeding. I mean, you heard that Chris is uh owns his own food truck, he drives his own car, he has his own brand of coffee um and his uh girlfriend is a 
fashion mogul who is um, fit and who is modeling and has been on runways in New York City. Many times people with disabilities are only limited by the people around them. And, you know, sadly, I have experienced being limited by people around me as well. I'm several years out of college and I have yet to work a conventional full-time job. Um, I'd like to see my ministry ventures become full-time. I have some ideas for how that might happen, so I covet your prayers as far as that goes. But I know the struggles of people having uh, having low expectations of of others. And I it doesn't just permeate people with disabilities. It permeates a lot of people. I was talking to someone just this week about the way that we perceive adolescence through secular psychology. Uh, I was telling her that we need to be careful when we talk about psychology and adolescence because secular psychologists tend to raise the age of adolescence every few years. I think the last that I had heard, adolescence, according to secular psychologists, was stretching all the way to 35. And I don't think we have a brain development problem quite so much as a low expectations problem. You know, there was a time in colonial America when 13, 14-year-old kids were running plantations. And now we have a situation where we have, uh, you know, 30, 35-year-olds who are obsessed with video games. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with video games, but I just think there's somewhere in between those two extremes where we can be. And I think that a lot of times we make excuses for for young people when instead we should challenge them to be better. I know when I worked at the Potter's House, I always challenged my students uh, to be men and women. I would go to discipleship for fourth and fifth grade and I would greet my uh, my young men in my group as gentlemen. And I one time I had a, a young man say, well, we're not gentlemen. I said, well, that's what I aspire for you to be. And so that's how I'm going to treat you. And I also said at the point that we were having this discussion about expectations, I, I mentioned the fact that when I was 13, my dad said, today you become a man, you need to start acting like it. Now, does that mean that I always do the right thing? I still don't. Does that mean that I was ready for all the responsibilities of manhood at 13? No. But it gave me a frame of reverence to say I should not use my age as an excuse to do foolish things. It didn't eliminate all the foolish things, but it definitely kept me out of a lot of trouble as well. Today, I will be reviewing for you the Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? Uh, But before I get into that review, I want to share with you our quote of the day. Now, our quote of the day comes from the book of Mark. And the reason this is so important is that one of the things that Matt Walsh says to start this documentary is that he's on a quest for truth. 
in order to be on a quest for truth, we need to realize the fixed moral standard that is necessary for truth. And so I want to start with this quote. But from the beginning of the creation, God hath made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. And that's Mark ten six to 8 want to focus on the beginning part of that, where it says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. He had a particular purpose for the way he made you. And the reason that we are seeing so much moral chaos today is that we have forgotten the way we were made. And as we dig into the discussion of this film, it's going to be a very imperative for us to remember that. So at this time, I want to share with you the trailer for Matt Walsh's Daily Wire original Documentary, What is a Woman? What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles, and I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? You want to tell us what a woman is? I'm a biological woman that medically transitioned to appear like a male. I will never be a man. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there, there could be a sort of social contagion element of this? A teeny tiny bit, maybe. It got me at 42. Your child doesn't have a chance. And you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way. Puberty blockers, which are completely reversible. Completely reversible. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders. You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview. You don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids? or How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? I wanted us to have a safe place to be able to talk about this. Part of me wants to ask why you care so much. I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Is it transphobic to tell the truth? The interview's over. Let's turn off the cameras. Excuse me. Fair I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? <laughs> they say no. Never. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
enjoyed it a little bit. We'll see when it comes out. Okay, so I want to begin this review by saying that I thought this was a very uh, well put together film. Uh, if you are familiar at all with Matt Walsh, you know that he can be very blunt and sometimes very forceful. And so I was worried that this documentary would come across as bullying, but he actually asks some insightful questions and for the most part just waits for people to answer him. And so that was a very positive thing about this documentary. Now, here's one of the interesting things about it, though. No one gave him a straight answer uh, because they're basically working off the premise that you can be whatever you want to be and your truth is your truth and they're not allowed to tell you what the truth is. And so they never gave a straight answer. Uh, my theory about that is that they know the straight answer and they don't want to be confronted with it, and so they just avoided answering the question altogether. Uh, this documentary takes uh, several different parts. First of all, it talks about uh, the overall uh, psychology uh, of the transgender issue, and it, they talk to doctors who deal with kids regarding this issue, and it's amazing some of the things they said, like saying that uh, someone as young as two should be able to decide their gender. Um, but, you know, to put it in context, I often say that I needed my parents to guide me because if it was up to me what to eat, I would have eaten ice cream all day long every day. And so if I can't even make nutritious decisions for myself about my diet, how can I decide my gender and how can I decide to make uh, life-altering decisions as a young child? Um, I think it's important to note here that in the documentary In His Image, which I reviewed a while back, it was pointed out by one of the guests on that documentary that 80% of gender dysphoria issues are addressed by puberty. So if you avoid puberty, then you are avoiding the very thing that can be a mechanism to help people come to a right uh, understanding of who they are. And so I think that's an important thing to remember as we are talking about this issue, that we need to allow things to progress the way God made them to progress. And there needs to be a basis of truth. Remember I said in the introduction that one of the things Matt Walsh said over and over again is that he's on a quest for truth. He desires the truth. And so then you you, you had that part, and then you had a part where they were talking about how transgenderism affects sports and how women have been uh, taken advantage of by biological men participating in their sports and women have been losing opportunities because of that. And then Matt was able to dig into the history of the transgender movement and how it all occurred. And that I think is probably the most important part of the documentary because he addresses the issue of what 
crazy depraved minds came up with normalizing this type of behavior. And we don't know a lot of the details as a general rule about these issues. And so I'm glad that this documentary brought that forward. I want to give you the two names of the doctors involved in that. And because I think it's important for us to know them by name and to be able to talk about this with people that we come in contact with. Um, the first uh, was Dr. Kinsey um, who and Dr. Money. And both of these men did crazy things in the name of advancing their sexual theories. One of them in particular did um, experiments, sexual experiments on children as young as one or possibly even younger. And so we need to realize where this comes from. It's not just a simple thing of saying, you do you and I'll do me. There are very dangerous things that are coming out of this situation. And then there was another part of the documentary where he talks to a woman who transitioned to a man and all of the medical problems that that she's had and the fact that she realizes that there's nothing that will ever make her a man, regardless of how much she wanted it, regardless of how well, quote-unquote, the transition went, she will never be a man. And so as this is unfolding, I just I just think it's very interesting and very important for us to be aware of each of uh, these aspects. And the one thing, moving on to the negatives, even though this is a very well-done film, the, the one thing I think it's missing is the baseline for truth. Matt Walsh says that he is searching for truth. I know that he has a Christian ethic when it comes to the truth, he knows there is one truth, but I wish that he had had a section in the documentary where he's talking about this is the truth, it is a fixed moral standard, and when we go away from this truth, it's chaos, and so we need to get back to that truth. And I think that that would have been good. I also think it would have been good if he had talked more about the characteristics of men and women, the differences of them. Because the reason that men and women exist is because we need each other. God gave men and women different roles and different characteristics. Because if we were all the same, we couldn't support each other the way God intended us to do. Uh, the, the male and the female are both distinct expressions of God's creativity. I think that's very important for us to remember and realize as we are discussing and thinking about these issues. This affects so much, um, and I just think that it's important for us to be cognizant of these issues. One of the things that struck me so much is that there was a doctor on this film that, ba that not basically, he actually said, that you saying that you're pushing 
for absolute truth is offensive. And I started thinking about the fact that Jesus basically said that the truth was offensive. And Paul said, the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So the fixed moral standard of Christianity is foolishness to those who do not practice the truth. The thing that you need to realize, too, is that my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, only goes so far. Because if we were to bring it into the practical world, your truth says that you own your laptop computer, right? But if I were to take a your truth, my truth approach, instead of acknowledging that the truth is that you own your laptop computer, I could take your laptop computer from you because my truth is that I need that laptop computer and that I don't acknowledge that you own it because that's your truth, it's not mine. Now, I admit that this is an extreme, but my point is, if I had that conversation with someone, they would say, of course it's my laptop computer. I bought it, I've owned it for X amount of time, it's mine, you can't take it. Our whole legal system is based on absolute truth. So if you sit there and say there is no absolute truth, then you can't have a legal system. And yet when it comes to these serious issues of of moral implications, we say truth is relative and you can have whatever truth that you want to have. And I just think it's so important for us to realize that truth has to be definite or we have chaos. The The biggest lesson I think I took away from the film is that these issues have much farther reaching implications than maybe we considered. When you realize the abuse of children that went into formulating this ideology at the very beginning of starting to talk about these things, it it will turn your stomach, and it should. Uh, because when we don't take the time to investigate the the origins, we can become numb, and we can say, well, they should just be able to live their own lives. But when you realize what it's doing to people that's where it gets really um, disturbing and disgusting. And we need to be able to lovingly guide people back to the truth. The fact of the matter is, if you are listening today, you are made in the image of God. And God doesn't make mistakes. In order to embrace the transgender ideology, you have to say that God made a mistake when he made you. And it's just not true. Now, that is why the evolutionary worldview uh, thrives so much, because the evolutionary worldview says we exist here, we don't know how we got here, and we're going to die and go back into nothingness, because we exist here by accident, and we're just going to, to die and there's no purpose in any of it. And so it is very important for us to realize that if we 
are raising up our children to believe in moral absolutes, we will save them from the chaos that ensues when you fail to have them. Another aspect that was brought up that was so important was one that we've talked about on the podcast in the recent past, just this overwhelming desire on the part of the left to sexualize our children. I never talked about sex as a young child in school when I was, when I was in kindergarten in the public school. I never really talked about sex in detail with my parents until I became a teenager. And now we're, now we're saying four and five year olds should know all these details about the sexual experience that, uh, you shouldn't probably know until you're a teenager or an adult. Now, obviously sex should be something that you talk to your children about in age appropriate ways all through their lives. But, we definitely have a situation of over-sexualization of children. Absolutely, no doubt, full stop. And so we need to get away from that and and talk about things organically, show in a godly way how sex is supposed to work. It's a wonderful gift that God gave to married men and women to facilitate their bond and to to provide the next generation of human beings. It's a great thing, but we've made it something that is, that it is not. We've made it something that is the driving force in much of our culture today. And we've made it something way more casual than it was intended to be. The Bible says that when we are engaged in the sex act, we become one flesh. It's not just a physical act, but a spiritual act. And when you take sex out of its sacred place, then you open it up to all kinds of other avenues and opportunities. The, the, the way that things have progressed has been very interesting in our culture. Uh, we said that gay people should be allowed to get married. And then the next step was to say that people can be whatever gender they want to be. Now, some people will say um, that those aren't related, but they are. And we need to be aware of that. So I think that overall, this is a very, well done documentary. Again, it's not a, a fun thing, so it's hard to say that it's enjoyable, but I think it's an important thing for us to consider as we are engaging with our culture on these important issues. Because I understand what people say when they say we need to be loving to those who we disagree with. I absolutely agree with that 100%. Please don't get me wrong. But often, it seems like loving is interpreted as we need to agree with everything you're doing, regardless of how bad it is for you, regardless of how sinful it is. And we need to be able to speak the truth in love and say, I love you, 
but this is not an appropriate behavior. This is not a godly behavior. And of course, you cannot, in a sense, speak godly behaviors over people that are not indwelt by the Spirit of God. You have to have the Spirit of God as your guide. That's why Jesus defines himself as the truth, because he is the moral imperative. He is the absolute truth. So, how would I rate this film? Well, I, I'm i going to give this film a solid 4 out of 5, again, because the the baseline for truth wasn't there. I understand why, uh, why Matt Walsh didn't introduce it um, because he wanted to appeal to a larger audience and he feels like there's enough evidence in our world without bringing Christianity into it to show how wrong these things are. And to a certain extent, he's right. I've said the same thing about the pro-life issue. There's enough evidence on an ultrasound image to show that the baby in your womb is alive. Whether you embrace a Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, you have to just ignore the life and the movement of your baby in order to get an abortion once you've had an ultrasound. So, you know, I I definitely agree that you can approach this in a non-religious way to a certain extent, but in the cultural place in which we live, people don't even acknowledge the fixed moral truth, so you can't even really talk to them on that basis. One of the the more striking uh, interactions in this uh, documentary was when he's talking to some girls on the street, and he asks them what is a woman, and of course they're hemming and hawing and not giving him a direct answer, and, and he said, well, I, I'm seeking definite truth. And they said, well, what is truth? And he said the same truth that says that we're standing here talking to one another. And the girl looks him in the eye and says, are we standing here talking to one another? That's what you say. And so when you have people who have that mentality, there's no way to reason with them at that point. I think my my main hope through this documentary is that people will realize that it's not just an issue of, of letting people be them, but that we need to realize the, the full implications and the dangers of this ideology. And the woman that was profiled in this documentary as having transitioned to male, she talked about uh, all the health problems that she's had since transitioning and the fact that, she will probably not live very long because of those issues. And the fact of the matter is that there hasn't been enough time uh, in the sex reassignment surgery game to find out what the long-term implications are. It's kind of like when people around COVID said, there's no long-term implications of the vaccine when the vaccine hasn't even existed long enough to measure long-term implications. Remember when they provisionally FDA approved one of the vaccines, they said that their normal trials 
for approval of the vaccine would not be over until May of 2023. So they tried to say, well, this is approved, but then also our normal procedures for approving a vaccine would not be able to be over until May of 2023. So how can they say that this is safe without going through their normal procedure for how it is safe? So we we need to be aware of that. As Christians, we understand the moral imperative that God created us male and female. But as we reach out to our non-Christian friends, we can appeal to them on some of the medical dangers here. And as I said, if I wasn't even old enough to decide what I could eat for my meals, then how am I old enough to decide life-altering things like what my gender should be? Well, that's about all I have to to share with you in regards to my review. Again, I give this a 4 out of 5. I hope that you will take the time to watch this film when you get a chance. Right now it's available exclusively on the dailywire.com. I'm not sure if and when it will branch out to other places, but I really do think it's something that needs to be watched and talked about. I think that you could watch it uh, with your mid to older teens and, and discuss this as parents and say, how do you feel about this? What are your thoughts? And have a real honest dialogue regarding these issues because these issues will only become more prevalent as we go along. The ultimate thing I want to leave you with today is that God created you with a purpose. He knew you before you were born according to Jeremiah chapter 1, and he knit you together, and everything about you is unique and is an expression of God's creativity. He loves you and wants what's best for you. And so if you're, if you're doubting yourself, if you're struggling with who you are, you're not alone. I think that's an important point probably for me to end with. And that is when I was a teen, I struggled with my identity. I did not like the fact that I was physically disabled. It was awful for me. But I had to work through that with the help of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was able to get through to me at 14 years old and say, you know, Andrew, I made you for a purpose. I didn't make a mistake when I made you. And, you know, this may sound like a funny application of what we've been talking about, but one of the things that he mentions in the documentary toward the beginning is this idea of transability. For those who do not know what that means, there are certain people who, for whatever reason believe that they should be disabled even though they're not. And so sometimes they will even have surgical procedures to cut off limbs or to make themselves disabled so that they have to use a wheelchair or other means of aid as a disabled individual when in fact they were not disabled until they maimed themselves. So it's interesting that the trans 
gender specialist doctor that he talks about in this documentary said that this was in her words, kooky. Yet she can't see the kookiness of someone having body maiming surgery to change their gender. Again, in order to overcome this, we need to get back to a fixed moral standard which is based on the Lord Jesus because it is said of him in Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we rest on that solid rock of Jesus, then we can know that we can weather any storm. And I'll just say my own perspective on this trans-abled thought process is the fact that no matter how much I wish it, I cannot make myself an able-bodied person. I could tell you that I identify as an able-bodied person, but then I would still be in my wheelchair the next day because God is the one who made that decision for me and allowed me to have this life as a disabled individual, and he is the one who is guiding me through it. Well, that's about all I have to share with you today. I hope that you have benefited from this podcast episode. If you have any feedback or comments, you can feel free to leave them with the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show. If you think that this would be beneficial for someone else to hear, then please share it with your family and friends and let them know how they can hear the Speaking for Him podcast each and every week. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.